what if I did a podcast about other people asking what if? What if utter comics nerds, the hosts of Hype is My Superpower podcast, joined us? What if the three of us tried to find a way to talk about this amazing concept of what if all in an hour and 10 minutes? Because I have a heart out. We're going to answer all of those questions. Probably not. Right after the commercial break that I might. No, I don't know what it's going to be. So what is the commercial? Welcome back. Now that I've wrung every last possible bad joke out of the what if idea to introduce this show, I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined by Will and Steve, who are together the co-hosts of the Hype is My Superpower podcast, one of my favorite sources of comics information. And because the three of us and as well as Paul have been talking for a while about wanting to get on each other's podcasts again, we were on an episode of theirs. Uh, Will was on with me for a bunch of episodes about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Steve's been on at least once. And we wanted to uh, get the three of us together again. And the What If comics just offered the the best possibility, I think, because these are comics that are now coming to life on the, the big screen or the small screen with Disney+. Plus, and there's just so much to get into. So let me just start by saying to you guys, how are you doing today? And uh, how are you feeling about uh, this What If idea? I, I don't know. I, I, it's great to be back, Matthew. Thank you so much for having me. This is Steve. And um, <laughs> I don't know. What if there are more good jokes to pull out of this what if concept I, I i don't think we should limit ourselves to one potential multiverse out of the you know infinite terrible jokes this is getting you know my dad pun game is meta. very strong so i think it's a strong possibility <laughs> will, will seems to be quickly looking for the eject button so how, how are we doing will <laughs> oh things are good man um i uh the what if comics are so off the wall and interesting for me to me because it's like you already have an established comic multiverse and then to also decide well instead of doing alternate universe stuff how about we tweak one small thing and see what happens from that mm-hmm. it's very much nando v movies oh my goodness <laughs> yeah so, so <laughs> let's kind of start by jumping in there let's just start with this concept before we start talking about it in both comics and now tv shows for you all, what does that mean, this, this idea of the what if, of the take just one small thing and change it and see what happens? What, what's kind of the appeal of that? Um, I, I, I think there's always that, cons- uh, you know, it, it's kind of like uh, opening up uh, imagination in a certain way. It's like being mm, able to yeah. play with your toys. You know, it, it, you, you're able to take a look at, you know, uh just different things that could happen um it it kind of, and it, to me it it helps reinforce this idea that superhero characters are more of like a feeling or an idea than a single canon you know mm, you you yeah. you can change something and sometimes something really drastic like what if aunt may died instead of uncle ben for spider-man and you know you end up with characters that are changed on a very fundamental level, but a certain part of them still feels the same. There's, and, and so it kind of, you know, uh, you, you can put these characters in almost any situation. They still feel like themselves. This, and it really reinforces, you know, the, the way that superhero stories often actually work as these sort of larger than life and larger than a single story concepts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think it makes for really fun conversation. 
like mm-hmm. like it, it introduces the it's kind of like an easy icebreaker of like you know you have someone like me who just bleeds for spider-man and then someone says well you know what if you took spider-man and put him in this different situation how would he react and then so me as the quote-unquote writer of this what if story i get to be like well considering his character and considering that you removed that character from this story how would then how would that change the outcome of the events and that kind of stuff It, it makes for just like really fun sort of like you know fanfic storytelling i think yeah yeah to me, there's almost kind of a scientific method about it, you hmm. know, and that like often in science, you have a reaction, you're not sure what's going on. So you'll kind of one by one change different variables while keeping everything else the same to see what happens. I'm no scientist and I'm probably gonna get 100 emails <laughs> for badly explaining that. But I think that's the core idea. And to me, this is kind of a similar thing. You know, it's like, let's take keep most things the same, change one thing and see what happens. And I'm about to commit a comic heresy here because I know that the official what if line is Marvel, but I think one of the best examples of what if that I've ever seen more the comic book than the movie that than the TV movie uh, is red, red sun, sun in the I DC universe. Yeah, yeah. Where they say, yeah. what if, you know, the spaceship that carried Clark Kent was just a little bit, you know, came at just a few minutes later and wound up crashing in the Soviet union instead of in the United States. And it's, to me, it's such a great illust- examination of what is just inherent to Clark Kent's or to Kal-El, I should say, to Kal-El's character and what is the result of Kal-El growing up in a particular environment. Totally. And, I, and to me, that's just a great way of gonna, getting to the heart of like, you know, what does it mean to be Star-Lord and does it matter who's in the Star-Lord suit or, you know, all the kind of questions that What If is asking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally agree. And Red Sun is... I've read, you know, countless Marvel comics. Red Sun is one of maybe five DC comics that I've ever read. So I was really <laughs> happy that you were able to pull from an example that <laughs> was actually That's familiar awesome. with. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I mean, I've always been, um, in terms of the comics I've read and, and the, the shows, before the first Iron Man movie, I would have said I was a diehard DC person. Hmm. And I now, like... I know a lot more about Marvel because the MCU, and I, I, I'm much more a fan of the MCU than most of the other content that's been created uh, for the screen. But yeah, my, my heart's always with DC, so I'm glad we have that <laughs> connection. So, and well, let's get into that, though, because um, I know for you, you two especially, like you guys podcast about comics themselves. Talk to me about how this idea is dealt with, either well or not well, in the comics themselves, in the, the what-if comics. So I have a working theory, and I think this might actually be true. I haven't taken the time to, to to investigate it or prove it out. But I think that what if from an industry background came uh, across literally as fan service? Uh, and a lot mm. of their early what if stories came from reader responses and letter columns, because one of the one of the like really unique um, uh, innovations of the comics medium before like the Internet and all these other, uh, you know, ways to get. Um, to build community is they had they were able to incorporate you know receive and incorporate fan feedback and kind of publish letters as a way to uh, uh, create a fan-led discussion about the comics as they're happening and it, it worked because they had space to fill <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh you know it's cheaper than producing two more pages of art or whatever but also just it's a serialized medium and it's a way to uh keep reader interest and 
it ended up being a huge success. And yeah, my my back of the napkin math is that uh, what if came from a lot of these questions that readers were uh, or, you know, story concepts that readers were asking for that they didn't want to do normally, but they could give readers a little taste of what that would look like. I think that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, the I I mean every everything that I feel about the what if comics has pretty much been uh uh talked about. The other thing that I really like is uh that the what if issues are fine with going complete doom and gloom <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it's usually a what if version of a big storyline like a secret invasion or infinity or something and so uh if they change something uh that's in that is um key to the original plot then they're like well you know if that never happened then thanos wins <laughs> and so yeah. you know earth is destroyed and then it just kind of they're okay with completely just demolishing everything that you'd know and love about uh marvel in in the main comic universe it's marvel 616 and so i routinely refer to it as 616 but they just destroy all of 616 and then it ends with Uatu over and over like, yeah yeah and it is just like that's what could have happened <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and good thing it didn't <laughs> yeah and so you end up with this sort of like uh this kind of exceptional or chosen you know like uh 616 ends up feeling like this real Goldilocks reality. Like, mm. this is the only way that any, it's, it's the real Doctor Strange. Like, I've examined, you know, whatever millions of possible outcomes, right. and this is the only one that could have worked. Like, um, it's, it, it, it just happening over and over and over again, exactly like that. In my, uh, in my reading, uh, there's, there's three, like, kind of main types of what if stories. And one of them is, like Will just said, the, um, you know, for whenever, like, a big crossover event or other, like, large large comic storyline ends, they'll give a little twist of, like, what if that happened differently? What if, what if the Avengers lost, you know, Atlantis attacks or the Infinity War or, you know, just... Uh, and that kind of helps introduce the stakes of everything right. that they're going through. Uh, the other one is, you know, we'll do, we'll, we'll kind of change a core concept. Uh, so like, what if Spider-Man immediately joined the Fantastic Four after getting his powers and he wasn't a loner? Or what if, like I said before, Uncle Ben lived? Or, uh, you know, what if Wolverine killed the Hulk on his first mission for the Canadian government? Um, and then, um, and then there's the third type of what if issue that's entirely silly. Like, what if Watcher was a stand-up comedian? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then and I mean, right then the comic book world, those things are they're interesting intellectual exercises, but there isn't. I mean, we're getting kind of meta, very metaphysical here compared to the show. But am I right then the comics? There isn't a sense of all of these are canon in non six one six universes, but then instead these are kind of intellectual explorations of possibility, not necessarily saying that this did happen in a different version of reality. It, or is it's there both. the same kind of metaphysical, like it all is real just in different universes? It's both. I mean, you you never go back to these other realities, so you don't have to okay. care about them. But they, they all follow the same uh, uh, formula 
or most of them follow the same formula as like uh you know that the episodes that we've had so far of the of the TV show of like you know it starts with um Uatu the Watcher uh introducing the concepts of multiverses and he gives you a plot recap of how it went in 616 and then he acts as a sort of narrator to speed up plot along through key moments of what might be like a decade spanning story so you can get right. to the key moments and what have been reimagined with this different factor involved okay Interesting, interesting. Because I, I feel like I and this is, we can start to get into the show here, but just in terms of this concept, I'll say for myself, I was very excited about this idea from the first moment I heard about it. I've not <laughs> read the the what if comics, but I loved the idea of this kind of like literally just asking what if, like having this fun intellectual exploration of how would it have been different. I was not the biggest fan of the Loki TV show. A lot of other people were, and that's awesome, but. For me, I, I, to me, it feels like it is somewhat fundamentally different than what I originally thought it was going to be because of how this is coming right after the end of Loki, mm. where it now feels to me like there's sort of a because we're in the multiverse that might be the multiverse of madness, quite possibly. Um, all of these have a lot more reality to them than I think I would have first thought from just kind of a the what if idea. Do, mm -hmm. do you think that's a fair comment about the show and the, the overall universe we're in compared to the comics or is it? Or was it always in the comics kind of much, much, very much like we're getting here? I think there's, sorry, I'm talking a lot. I think there's one uh, episode for me that really deviated from the standard formula in a really cool way. And I'm looking forward to mm -hmm. talking about that. How okay. about you, Will? Um, I think, I, I so I agree with, with you, Matthew, that uh, the timing and the way that it's presented makes it feel like we're looking at other realities as opposed so in in what if it's it's not an established rule but it's kind of like an unsaid thing that the worlds that you get shown in the what if issues never get touched on again mm -hmm. right. um, they're not canonical in that yeah. regard but and, i mean they're and, canonical in that it it happened but yeah. non-canonical in the fact that you don't have to care about it anymore once it's done right right it's not something that you need to add to your pocket of knowledge for going forward and then 10 years down the line oh they they go back to that earth <laughs> kind of a thing right but it feels like the the marvel disney plus what if is very much hey we could use these guys later if we want mm. to like right. remember that this right. happened yeah here's their origin story so when we put them in the movie later you don't need to we don't have to like cover that screen time mm. right i mean at this point i feel like if they don't put hallie atwell playing captain carter somewhere in the on-screen mcu live action like they're kind of put leaving a lot of money on the table right. and that that That's alone true. seems to break what you're kind of saying of like if a character from one of these does sort of like cross over into the 616 yeah, and that yeah. generally just hasn't happened. Only because a lot of these what-if stories end up actually happening within 616 continuity and maybe <laughs> yeah. actually fit and not just like mm -hmm. a ham-fisted, let's just bring this person from the other reality into ours. Right. Right. Yeah, they'll they'll just recycle the storyline, but, but make it, you know, in, in standard presentation rather than what-if presentation. Yeah. Um, there's also a long history of pulling characters from alternate realities into 616 when they become popular, but that's usually not from what if, that's from, you know, more longer form and considered uh, delves into alternate realities. Yeah, the, clo right. the closest version of that, or most one of the more recent versions of that would be like uh, Spider-Gwen and Old Man Logan. 
Um, mm. Both of them were... So Spider-Gwen was introduced in a Spider-Verse comic, and then Old Man Logan was introduced as a one-shot, you know, potential future kind of a thing. And then um, they were both so popular that they got their own series, and then they got brought into 616 for X amount of time. And then uh, Old Man Logan, because they brought 616 Logan back, they're like, hey, we only need one Logan. And so they wrote him off and sent him back to his <laughs> Wastelands Old Man Logan verse and then killed him off uh-huh. there. And so, yeah, like the, the, the super popular ones do kind of end up getting their spotlight but to steve's point they're introduced as originally just an alternate universe current timeline sort of thing and not right. in a what if title and you know because it's a multiverse and it's infinite if you ever <laughs> wanted well uh, old man logan again you could just create another one in another yeah. mostly identical universe and uh, right you right. know so it's just endless. yeah it's, it's the ultimate writers get out of jail free card totally. you know, like and that's um, why I hate the multiverse so much. It's obnoxious. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you there. And I have uh, revisit my episodes on Loki. But um, getting to this specifically, uh, for me also, one of the things about the what if that was particularly interesting, and I'm curious to know if this is something that you do get a lot in the comics. Uh, what ifs don't have to be ethical questions by any means, but certainly a lot of them can be. Mm. Um, both in terms of the, like, what if a character, you know, when they were faced with a hard decision and they made one choice, you know, what if they didn't, you know, what if, you know, Peter Parker didn't accept the responsibility or what if someone didn't, you know, go back to save their friends or have the heel turn or the face turn or the sort of demographic side of it, like, which is a different kind of ethical question, but I think also very relevant, you know, what if Cap, what if Captain America was actually Captain Carter or, you know, uh, other things of, uh, you know, if, if way before Sam Wilson, someone had done like, what if Captain America was black kind of a thing or, yeah. you know, whatever those are. Is that kind of exploration a part of the comics as well, either in terms of like the demographic changes or the like when a character was faced with a hard moral decision, what if they'd done something differently? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, gosh, there's a, a, like 200 what if comic book issues and so like eventually they're going to do something along those lines um typically at least over the last like decades worth of what ifs uh they haven't done any of those like origin changing or Mm -hmm. uh character rejiggering um explorations it's usually a twist in the plot line of Right. whatever they're referencing because now these days instead of having individual what if issues just just out there uh these days they're doing what if takes on the crossover events because now there's a crossover event every year <laughs> um oh, okay. and so they take from the they take different events from that crossover event and say you know you know what if this person was sacrificed so in terms of like mcu they'd be like you know what if hawkeye uh, gave up his life for the soul stone instead of mm. instead of widow how would yeah. how would things change from there and so um they don't necessarily do the whole what if what if uh star lord but black what if captain america right. but a british lady like that that's not usually what they do now and it's not right. to say that they don't do that in comics now they just right. don't do it in what if they'll do it in like exiles or yeah, yeah. Right. which is which is where captain carter uh was first published in the comics right i mean on some level like 
all of this is what if, you know, it's all <laughs> what if a super scientist used their powers totally. to build a military suit? You know, what if he as got the Norse gods of legend were actually space aliens and they did interact with our world. Like <laughs> I feel like all of comic books on some level, all of sci-fi fantasy for sure is a kind of great game of what if. Agreed. Well, and so how do you feel about, um, I think, uh, Will, you've seen the first four episodes, uh, Steve, if I understand, you've seen the first three, but you don't mind being spoiled about the fourth. Not at all. I mean, how, how, again, that's part of the 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 convenient nature of the what if comics, right? I'm, you're not right. you're not messing with my my future, you know, knowledge or enjoyment of any storyline that I expect to happen. So you can right. talk all about this, and I'll watch <laughs> it, and I'll get you know the exact you know whatever amount of enjoyment, and it won't it won't hype me up or distract me from other storylines, nice. which is a big part of spoiler culture. I feel like. We'll do a specific talk about each one of the individual episodes, but just in general, how do you all feel like the show is handling this idea of what if? Um, it's okay. So when it was first announced uh, with the trailer of hyping up Captain Carter and T'Challa as Star-Lord, um, I was not excited um, mm. because it felt like just doing demographic changes, like what you had mentioned. Um and so I wasn't excited because I wanted something more like what I've seen in the comics over the last 10 years of, you know, what if the, what if Infinity War, but this change, you know, to, like there's right. 25 movies, they have enough material to dive in and do that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But they did totally. that with episode three. Uh, well, they, they, they did a lot of the scenes in episode three and the way that the first two episodes have been presented, um, it's it's working out to be what I wanted it to be, and so I I have less now that I've consumed it. I like it more than what I was going in expecting, so I'm a little mm, more happy with that. Um, but uh, the the extra takeaways um, that are implied through their the the storytelling that they've decided on are what stand out to me now. Of like mm. if 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 Peggy ended up becoming the super soldier, she's only going to go out and fight if we could put Steve in a suit of armor and have her fight and have him fight with her. Or right. um, if T'Challa got abducted instead of Quill, T'Challa just brings about intergalactic world <laughs> peace as Star-Lord. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, Thanos doesn't become the, the <laughs> intergalactic tyrant that he is. The Ravagers become peace keepers like they become more effective than the nova core like just because right. they changed one character like it just it makes peter quill's character feel so useless and like and just <laughs> unnecessary but we've already spent so much time getting to love peter quill and him growing eh. as a character. but we love him because he's useless but like yeah i mean i i have never been a, it, it's funny i think i love it i number two the second episode is far and away my favorite in part because i think star lord is an utterly useless misogynistic <laughs> idiot of a character who pretty much allowed thanos to win um I have strong feelings on this regard, but but I, I I get the total point you're thinking, and I, I to me I think the first two episodes, at first I found it frustrating because I feel like they're they're two very different approaches to what if yeah, but I think I like that because I feel and this is kind of what you're getting at will, at least I hope tell me if I'm wrong, the first episode is, the events of the Captain America movie, 
are somewhat fixed. Not necessarily, but like, and if you switch Captain America into Captain Carter, things are going to play out in fairly similar ways. Mm -hmm. You know, not necessarily the same. Red Skull won't get the Tesseract. Something else will be different, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of beats will be the same. And Steve will still get to have some kind of big role to play. I didn't love that part, but we can go into that. <laughs> the second one, though, seems a very different approach to what if. The second one is, as you were saying, like, if T'Challa had become Star-Lord instead of Peter Quill, now everything is different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did, did you all get that same sense? Like, it's two very different approaches to this question? Mm -hmm. I thought the third one was even more different, but we can get to that in, yeah. in a sec. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the... Yeah, I... So I was really excited when what if first got announced because i feel like without the burden of franchise and continuity they can do a lot more um storytelling for its own sake yeah. and you know you can you can go on these sort of like tangents or you know oh yeah what what would good thanos look like and <laughs> you know and that's sort of a, an entertaining sort of rabbit hole and it, it speaks to this concept that is within the um the what if comics which is you know you change one thing and then you look down the decades of continuity and you yeah. see all the knock-on effects all of the spot? stories that you've done mm. since then what does that affect and what has it changed as it goes forward so i thought um yeah uh yeah no yeah i i agree it's uh well okay so also what i wanted from what if when it got um, announced was an animatrix style show mm, yeah. of mm. you know six to nine uh completely unrelated episodes completely uh different uh um animation studios like giving yes. other other names uh takes uh the ability to kind of make a name for themselves through Marvel. Yeah. Um, and, and like they do in the comics, match an art style to a story yeah. uh, mood and, and change, you know, change the entire look and feel of what you're doing based on that. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, after these four episodes, it's like, Oh, well one, they're all the same animation studio, which star Wars legends is not doing. Thank goodness. I can't wait for that. But, um, mm -hmm. and then, uh, you have at the end of each episode, like some character that is highlighted and can be saved for future. It's very heavily implied that they're like, well, they're still around, so we can use them later. Yeah. And it's just, mm, I, I, I don't want it. <laughs> but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think one of the most frustrating things about most of the MCU has been when you can tell that there's something put in there to help set up something else. Yeah. And I know, like, even the, the writer of Loki has said that she was kind of frustrated by the degree to which she was kind of dictated to because she ne they needed to set up this multiverse stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think I was very much hoping for that, for, like, ten... If nothing else, it feels like Uatu, as a character, is evolving and, like, is slowly deciding if he wants to become more involved. Mm. Which, which, that alone... Like, I, I wanted, like you said, like, ten different completely separate stories, completely separate universes, even different animation styles, I think could have been fantastic. Um, you know, yeah. and it's... Can, Although each of these episodes I, oh, is a different reality. Yeah. On the bright yeah. side. Right. Cool. Can, can I briefly complain about the character of Iwatu, just as, yeah, as long please. as we're talking about it on the series level? Why does he have to sound cool? 
Like he's doing the movie trailer voice, and he's in a world. <laughs> That's because where... that, they hired that guy. I forget his. They name. hired a cool guy. But he's yeah. Uatu is looks like a giant baby with a robe on. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially because I, mean, I just never heard him in my head like that. <laughs> and it's now been True. hinted at a little bit in the fourth episode, uh, which I know Steve you haven't seen, but Uatu actually kind of like confronts Doctor Strange in that episode, and we'll, oh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, because uh, I know some some of you listeners may not have seen the show, and we'll kind of give a quick recap of each one in a moment. But but it definitely was him kind of intervening a little bit more, but also saying like I can't intervene, and it's. To me, anytime I know we're gonna ask this about the Eternals, probably we're gonna ask this about we should be asking about Iwatu. Like, if you are watching these terrible things happen and you have great power, I seem to recall there being something about responsibility that goes along with that power, you know. And I, you always kind of wonder, like, wasn't and I, and I know in the comics there's all this sort of stuff about how the Watchers long ago tried to interfere and it was a total disaster, and so now they just watch. But to me, like, that's a great ethical question as well that so far the show hasn't explored. And I really, if we have to have, like, kind of a plot arc to this group of episodes, that's one thing I do hope they explore some. Yeah. So just on the, from the comics context of the history of Uatu intervening, because, yeah, he did, he, <laughs> he started intervening almost immediately. Like within his first couple, uh, you know, uh, appearances, he was like giving the Fantastic Four the ultimate nullifier to help them fight off Galactus. And it's like, okay, dude, you're not really serious about this. But also, like, I feel like there is an interesting, um, an interesting take in the fact that Uatu and the Watchers in general are presented as so powerful that intervention is taking away uh freedom from right. the people they're intervening on their behalf and this, this sort of like transcendent nature mm. of the watchers as um you know and, and and there's this sort of like attachment uh situation where uatu only gets involved because he starts to feel this strong sort sense of you know empathy and um and attachment to the people of earth that is um you know uncommon and and the ethical question becomes like is it good to have that sort of attachment Mm. or not it's also funny because uatu is presented as the only watcher that actually intervenes with yeah with the sectors that that he's that they're like in charge of because there's Mm -hmm. it's a the watchers are an entire race and Uatu is the one that we get for 616 and he views all of the branching realities from earth and all the potential futures there uh and so all the other watchers do their duty handily <laughs> they they don't get they don't intervene to the point where Uatu has a tarnished reputation among the watchers as the guy <laughs> that intervenes with his realities <laughs> all the freaking time this guy it's yeah. so ridiculous. Uh, the other thing about Uatu in the comics is that he has this like permanent cameo role i, I mean it mm-hmm. really made sense for stan lee to be Uatu yeah. uh because uh in the comics they just like have him you know, kind of like he's they have these individual, you know, like 
uh, scenes in in the animated show where you just see him in the distance or, or, you know, you see his eyes or a silhouette or whatever. Like he shows up to every major event and just hangs out. Yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. he gets involved and sometimes he doesn't. But like you you end up seeing him and being a lot more familiar with him uh, in uh, in the comics, just, you know, from from reading the big the big uh, swings, the big events. And then when he right. uh, comes in and, and narrates a, an issue of, uh, you know, of what if it, it really gives you this sense of, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like, yeah, this really could have gone a different way, et cetera, right. et cetera. Well, and so we've talked to, uh, I want to kind of now go to more a little bit episode by episode. And, and I think we, we're kind of talking about the first two episodes together. Uh, so just quick recap, the first one, Captain Carter, it's basically the idea is that if Captain, if um, uh, Agent Carter had stayed in the room when the, uh, the events that were going to lead uh, Steve Rogers to become Captain America had happened, that she might have intervened with the, the Nazi spy and Steve would have wound up getting injured. She would have wound up becoming not Captain America, but Captain Britain or in her case, Captain Carter. I feel a little bad for the United Kingdom. They don't get their own name on the, the Captain. Well, because thing. Captain Britain oh. is its own it's here, own thing. Yeah, it's oh, <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, but but and so then and then as we said, like the story plays out along roughly the same lines of, you know, she winds up rescuing Bucky and some of the others, going against, you know, she goes against uh, regulations. They wind up having a big battle against Hydra at the end, which is now them trying to summon a monster instead. And at the very end, she has to sacrifice herself to save the world yeah. and she comes back 60 years later pretty much the same story right yeah it was basically it was uh, just first avenger but with with peggy yeah so what do you all think of this idea that like stories are a little bit not fixed necessarily but like you can change one major thing but the same kind of chain of events is likely to play out that certainly happens sometimes in the what if comics yeah mm-hmm. I, um uh, I, I guess I guess it's kind of funny that um, I so when she first got the serum and the higher the brass were like pissed and they then they wanted to keep her like away from the spotlight. That was mm-hmm. that to me was a bigger plot point to focus on than let's just insert her insert her into the key scenes from the movie. And and like how that. much. How 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 entertaining is it that Bradley Whitford has just made this entire second career as like uh woke white dude playing terrible white guys <laughs> on like Handmaid's Tale and and this and in uh in Get Out uh, Get Out yeah oh, God. yeah <laughs> yeah as someone who identified most with Josh Lyman it kind of hurts me that this is I his know. career yeah. but he's having a great career with it yep he seems to be <laughs> I, having fun. <laughs> I, I feel kind of like of two minds about it because, and this is more metaphysical than ethics maybe, but it's kind of related, I think. I do think that like every little thing that happens has rippling effects, you know? And to me, the idea that you could change something so major, but the story would still play out in much the same way kind of doesn't work for me. Yeah, I agree. Mm. But I, yeah. But I do think that they were kind of saying something very important because I feel like the fundamental thing they were saying, though, is whether the gender of Captain America doesn't matter, you know, and that even if Cap- yeah. like all of this. And so in that regard, I felt like, OK, I can see why 
you're giving us the same version of the story. I, I feel like that would I feel like that would have been stronger well, if we didn't still need Steve I, to be I, in a suit because she certainly wasn't in a suit in the first one. But <clears throat> I feel like that's kind of an anti-feminist statement, though, in a way. Like you're by saying that absolutely nothing is different. Like I want I want to see the differences that are created by gender in mm, in this. Yeah, that's a fair it, point. In you know in the situation, like I don't think I, I don't like the the answer that. Yeah, we could have a woman as Captain America and everything would be exactly the same. It what would, would be better? Not. What would be oh different? Gosh. What would be... Yeah. yeah. But also, she didn't get the title Captain America. Yeah. She was called Captain Carter. Like, they dubbed her Captain Carter yeah. and not Captain America. And they did not put the stars and stripes on the sh- on the shield. Yeah. Right. Like, so, in a sense, like, we we missed the uh, all of the, you know, what does post-World War II america mm. look like without this sort of um without imperial hero figure but, yeah, or, yeah or even does, more like it, does it's britain funny. emerge from world war ii as mm. the preeminent like you know global hegemon mm. and and military empire like you know but, when, does when you colonialism said that thing about, like, when you said that thing about the what if going all down the, the decades later that, yeah. that's exactly where my went my mind went to i've been recently reading a book about the dissolution of the british empire yeah and how so much of it was this sort of sense in britain of like the glory days are over totally. we're letting it all go mm. and i mean good they're like you know they're ending colonialism um but but yeah that's an interesting question of if it had been this hero carrying the 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 union jack instead of the stars and stripes would that have changed national attitudes in britain and stuff and i feel like that would have been a fun thing to explore as well you know in a totally different way i mean these questions could be answered um, in season two if they if they do a second episode follow up because the right. end of the first episode has her waking up in you know right. modern quote unquote MCU so right uh, you know hopefully ideally they spend an episode of her exploring what her legacy was yeah well especially because to me one of the most interesting knock on effects that doesn't affect this, but it's going to have huge effects for the Avengers, you'd imagine, is that Howard Stark invents the Iron Man suit. Yeah. Which you're then so... What does Tony Stark do with him? Yeah, you know? and, and also, Which, like, why didn't he do that in In the in in six in first it, Avenger. It, yeah, yeah that, just like, that, you that, had that in you, and you just decided, nah. That, as, as a hardcore Tony Stark stand, that was the one thing that bothered me. I was like, does this make kind of Tony somewhat irrelevant? But... Anyway, moving on to the T'Challa Star-Lord. So I think we've talked some about that. And in that one, it's that T'Challa, as Star-Lord, is this person who has just a much more kind of peacemaking and negotiating and hearing people out attitude. Uh, He never really has a break with Yondu. He is able to convince, like, he's beloved throughout the universe so that when the, um, (laughs) what's the name of the character from the beginning of Guardians? who? Udantu, yeah, like that character winds up joining up with Star Lord instead of <laughs> seeing he's an idiot. Even Thanos, it turns out, like at some point was can, was talked out of his good idea, even though he still thinks it's a good idea. <laughs> no one, no one has taught him math yet. Um, but yeah, so with that that to me, I, I kind of think that expo- that version of what if makes a lot more sense to me. Of one change has happened and now everything has changed. But totally, I, I know. We can argue the end of time about like what does that say about Peter Quill and stuff. But what's your kind of overall take on how it how it addresses this what if question? I think it's funny that by making I guess by making Thanos good, Nebula has hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, 
I really liked that they didn't have Gamora in it. Because yeah. having a good Thanos means he never shows up on Gamora's planet to wipe out her entire like half right. her oh, entire yeah. race. Like yeah. it's though it's those small like off screen details that I really liked. Um or like and or on screen having like Drax being like, You saved my entire family. Like yeah, small yeah. little things like that. We didn't get to see uh Groot or Rocket, but um mm-hmm. I guess I would assume that they're still locked up on that jail, in that jail. Because they never got inspired to by Star Lord to actually break out, <laughs> right? Yeah, could be. Um, but yeah, I I I I liked this take, um, despite my reservations about make, making it anti Star Lord. But um, they also ended it on a cliffhanger of like, well, that would mean Ego just says, "Fine, I'll do it myself," and uh, goes and recruits Peter on his own. Mm-hmm. I I thought I. I didn't know if that necessarily needed a follow-up, though. I think it, it part of the thing of what if is like, well, if, yeah, then then things will be different in lots of ways, and you can explore some of them, and you can point at others. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's what the comics it's do. Like, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, the, pond, it's the, the, the stone in the pond, Eddie. I mean, all, you can never explore all the different ripples and where it yeah. can go. Mm-hmm. So then we get the third episode, which... The title is sort of "What if Earth's Mightiest Heroes have been killed?" I forget the exact wording. Yes, but, it, it, but that's quest- not. Sorry, go ahead. I think we're about to say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what is the "what if" of this episode. Because oh, I totally do. The, 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 the title seems to say that the "what if" is "what if the Avengers were killed," but actually, we spend most of the episode with the killing of the Avengers, mm-hmm. and we we find out in the episode basically Avengers are dying. It all takes place during that one sort of Fury's big week mm-hmm. when the mm-hmm. Hulk, uh, the Thor movie, and the second Iron Man movie all take place. Um, although Ed Norton has now become... Um, <laughs> yeah, that was God, great point. Of, that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just write you out of the entire multiverse. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. But, and, and yeah, and then what we wind up finding out is that at some point in time, Hope Van Dyne, the daughter of uh, Hank Pym went on a mission, was killed on the mission, and that left Hank so bitter that he became a completely different character who turned into a bad guy who tried Happens to kill all the all Avengers. all the time in the comics. Okay, that, 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 that's <laughs> yeah, relevant. Hank being a bad guy is just, it's the classic go-to Avengers story. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad for that at least, because that felt very out of character for him, but I'm glad there's some basis there. But but so the, the, the and then and then it, it ends with Nick Fury making a deal with Loki, who'd come to the planet to get vengeance for Thor, and then Nick Fury and then Thor is uh, I'm sorry, and then Loki is like, oh, but now that I'm here, I'm just gonna take over. <laughs> yeah. And so we end with Captain America being found in the ice and Captain Marvel showing up to help, and and the sort of it, it almost feels like that's where the actual what if episode should start. If the what if is mm. what if the Avengers were killed. I think that so, Steve. You seem to know. Is the what if just what if Hope had died? Yeah, it's what if Hope had been recruited. Yeah, what if Hope I was think. a okay. Shield agent? Yeah, that's okay, the way but, I but see. Then it... And and so that that kind of points to this being a completely different type of what if story, and something that I'm actually hoping that uh, we see a lot more of. Uh, and it's right. it's not something that I, I've seen much in the what if comics, so this is kind of completely new territory. But it's uh, you present an altered universe in some way where things start to happen different and you have to 
search backward to look at what was the point of departure. It's almost a detective oh, episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. Okay, that I, I admit I didn't like this episode very much for, for a couple reasons, but one of which was I was having trouble understanding what the what if was. Mm. And, and and part of it was like I didn't buy that Hank would make such an incredible shift. Mm-hmm. But knowing that that does happen more in the comics helps. But I think that that because I think I, that framework of we're going to dump you into the middle of the universe and not tell you what the what if was. You're right. I do think that's a very interesting kind of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, like I said, I'd really like to see more because it, it just it presents a lot of. Uh, yeah, like a detective story. You get you get to yeah. look backwards. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean that For was sure. only that was literally said in like one frantic sentence. Yeah. Of you you know she died under your watch. This is your fault. Boom. There it is. Yeah. Right. Hope was never part of Shield in the MCU that we've been introduced to. Right. So that was cool. I like that. And yeah, and and it also it's also a real contrast from because. So much of what if is often, you know, looking way forward and you you see the point of departure and then you summarize on and on, you know, uh, Uatu will will narrate like a decade of continuity and then you'll see one scene of difference and then it'll happen, you know, a couple more times before you get at sort of the, the meat of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the real climax. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it also really drove home the point that pretty much all of phase one happened within a week <laughs> yeah. and, and, and just showing how, how busy uh, fury was just literally just from Monday to Friday, trying to deal with all these <laughs> ridiculous things happening all at the same time across uh, the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, it, I think that's super true. It makes me really want to uh, watch. Have you guys seen the, the, there's somebody out there who did the Marvel Universe as a chronological supercut and turn, you know, like sort of reformatted yeah. it as a prestige TV show. There's this, there's well, no, there's this guy I... on on TikTok that's doing that. He's like cutting every he's going through every scene in all twenty five movies and cutting them in chronological order. It's insane. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so let's get into the last episode because I think uh, and I know Steve, you haven't seen this. Will, do you want to kind of give a quick summary of it? The one that just came out. Yeah. So... This will probably be recorded. I think I'm going to post this uh, probably in the next week after we're recording it, but we're recording it on Wednesday in the kind of early afternoon, morning, depending on where we are in the country, and the episode was released Thursday, uh, Tuesday night. So the yeah. episode's been out for about 12 hours, 14 yeah, hours Yeah, the credits now. were rolling for me just under 12 hours ago. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so basically, uh, it's presented as what if, um, what if Stephen Strange lost his heart instead of his hands uh, in his origin story. And so uh, Christine, uh, Amy Adams' character, is going with him to that um, uh, talk or, or the award ceremony um, that he's getting recognized for some legendary thing he did. And so in the car crash, um, Christine dies, but he comes out fine. And him wanting to reverse that as a moment in time leads him to go and learn sorcery. That's kind of like the story. So he becomes Sorcerer Supreme, yada, yada, yada. um, All because he has this obsession with undoing, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, 
oh god i forgot her name anyway her death <laughs> christine's death right uh christine who, who by the way quick thing is played by uh rachel mcadams not amy adams not amy, yes Ra- rachel <laughs> mcadams yeah. there's too many adamses <laughs> um but yeah, yeah so he wants to undo uh christine's death and so he uh gets the time stone and uh he keeps on going back and everything he does she ends up dying anyway um kind of like um the time machine which is a very interesting movie it was also someone also made that observation on the panda chat so shout out to them um but mm-hmm. uh uh so he kind of loses his mind because every single time he tries something different she still dies somehow mm. um ancient one shows up and says that this is a um a fixed moment um an absolute moment because it has to happen in order in order for you to become the sorcerer supreme and so um you'll never be able to undo her death and he says um that's that's not right and so he starts going down this like dark magic um path and uh just before he does that ancient one splits him into two are we going is it sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's a little more detail we need but you can kind of kind of keep going so she splits him into two and then uh so we have a doctor strange in this world we have a doctor strange that went down the normal sorcerer supreme path and we have a doctor strange that has been jumping around through time and um basically falling into the dip pet dip into the pits of despair and going the dark magic path and deciding that i instead if none of these dark gods will give will lend me their power i will absorb them and take their power for my own and so you end up getting this like super dark um sorcerer supreme and then there's a fight between the two at the end hmm. yeah and and most importantly the uh the the and then, yeah, and then it ends with the the dark version of Doctor Strange winning the fight, doing the thing to try and save Christine, and it wind up, as he was told, destroying that whole universe. Yes. And Uatu says that, like, the only way he could save that universe was to, uh, you know, destroy, risk destroying all the universes. So it's a kind of like, okay, well, the 616 is just going to be wiped out. So this is, this is the, like, uh, yep, sometimes it can all go wrong. And it's it ends with this kind of harrowing yes. shot of strange and christine being alone or actually just strange it's not exactly clear but like him still being alive in this little pocket that survives just feeling incredible sorrow realizing that he just destroyed literally this universe (laughs) yeah well wow Uh, okay and i i have some thoughts on this and will i think you also have some thoughts for the capital t do do you want to go first Well, okay so it ends so on the end he creates that like distorted mirror dimension around himself to try to save himself and Christine. Christine ends up fading away anyway. And so he's locked by himself in this purple orb <laughs> of um, of mirror dimension. And then that's when the episode ends. So it's just like, oh, well, we can just pull him back from that reality whenever we want uh, an evil strange. <laughs> um, okay. And so like that's, that kind of ominous ending is what just like started this big picture for me of like oh this is what they're doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's i, I, like, I think this may be setting up some parts of multiverse that are going to happen uh, yeah but but I, I will say to me the thing that bothered me and this is where just matthew doesn't like time travel tm <laughs> yeah because I, I i like logic in my storytelling what can i say but t- i think one of the things that i've liked so much about these other three is that they're avoiding the thing that I generally hate, which is this idea that, like, 
there are set points in time or that mm, things have mm. to happen. You know, it's that agency matters. Character decisions matter. And if characters decide other things, so much can change. Right. And to me, they introduce this idea of an absolute point in time, which I, <laughs> I just I just don't buy, but I'd be willing to buy, except for the fact that the whole point is it's a what to me introducing an absolute point of time in, a in the midst of a what if where we've seen that in the actual 616 universe this absolute point in time doesn't happen totally. like because if the whole point is like somehow like the thing is that he want he decides to have Christine in the car with him and so he loses his heart not his hands but like but they don't even let him decide not to have her in the car with him. It's like once he's chosen this path, once the what if path has been chosen, you can't even go back to the original path. Mm. And that just it, it just blew my mind with how logically ridiculous that well, was. Well, so he did try just not picking her up and then a mugger showed up and shot her. Right. Like in every version of the universe that he tried, he did everything he could there was always something that happened that had, you know, he switched car seats with her or he turned on his turn signal in time. Huh. There was always something that happened that caused her to die. That's very annoying. Yeah, I was kind of. It's like it's like one of those bad dreams where, where you know, you're trying to, like, you know, go do something. And, and no matter what you do, it's just you just get sucked right back to not being able to do it. Right. <laughs> Especially because to me, it's not only taking away their agency, but what this means is that, like. Someone else always has to crash their car. Someone else all, or has to go be the one to shoot her or has to be the one to, you know, do whatever. And it's just to me, once you have something decided that this is a fixed point in time, my, my question is always like, well, then who's deciding it? And so I don't know if this is supposed to be the Time Lords who we just overthrew in Loki or if this is Uatu. Like, it, it, isn't he the one who would make these decisions if anyone does? But I, I don't know. It just... That that threw me off and left the whole thing a pretty bitter taste in my mouth. But I'm glad that other people seem to feel very differently about the, it. The I guess well, so you bring in the TVA. I think the argument here might be that these things can all happen now because the TVA has been changed, or the one who remains no longer exists to keep us. Like I don't think there's a um, there's TVA. I guess has changed now that. Um, it's a different one who remains at the top, right? And so these things are these these other realities can happen, but there's no there's no one pruning doing any pruning, and so they're just kind of observing. Mm. It's almost right. like and it's I, almost like the new TVA is what spawned the Watchers. <laughs> and I get that, but I don't because like. We are going back in time for the what if. I don't know if this is happening before that happens or not. Yeah, because, and, which, which because is funny, time, it, it, time and realities are two different things. Like you can right. you can be introduced to a new reality, but it has its own history having now being happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this makes me want to ask the question. It's but a hell when of a is grammatical na- sentence. There. But what now is now? And that like the fact that those words are exiting my lips just upsets me. Yeah. So like. Yeah, what is now having now been happened, I think. <laughs> <laughs> because if you go to the past, then the future self, the the, the past becomes the future's present. And 
Yeah. It's yellow. I don't, I just don't want it. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. We may have this be a, God, I, I'm so glad so many people are so excited for the multiverse. I feel like. Yeah, good for them. I, I don't have <laughs> yeah, any interest in watching Doctor Strange right now because I so hate the way this is all happening after Loki. And this episode probably made me want to watch it less. <laughs> now I'm just like, nothing I, is going to have any make any sense whatsoever. I, I, I think I have a different uh, objection to uh, multiversal stuff, which is uh, I, I don't, I don't mind it on its face. Like mm-hmm. I think you can tell interesting stories within the concept. It just takes up so much storytelling space that you don't have room for other things. Like Into the Spider-Verse is fantastic. But because the entire concept is about finding the the, the, the arc of the story, the character arcs are about finding yourself and people like you and finding community. You know, it's it's about this sort of like um, building of self and 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 all of that. And um and they use it as a clever tor- storytelling tool towards their, you know, uh, towards their arcs. But when you've got it, it entirely, uh, it, you know, you can also do it as the playing with your toys method of like very one shot episodes of what if that don't, you know, spin off into anything. And it's just a fun, you know, thought exercise into how things could go different or a different mm-hmm. look at who your characters are in different circumstances. Uh, but once you start getting into like, oh yeah, this guy's from this other reality. He came over in this movie and now he's part of the team. So he's just going to hang out here permanently. And, oh God, we have to find something for him to do, except he has no, you know, actual relationships with anybody in this universe. (laughs) It just, it's like, it, it's one of the most abusive types of, uh, you know, comics continuity. And it's, it, it. I, in my opinion, it most often leads to bad storytelling. Yeah. yeah. And I, at the end of the day, all I want is good storytelling. I think that's a really good way to put it. Cause I do love into the spider verse. And again, to go into the, the, the comics, you know, that shall not be named. <laughs> I think that in the Arrowverse, the, the way they do the multiverse there of crossover stuff of there's all these different earths, but people can move back and forth between them but the stories are set on one or the other, that also makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, I think it's the combination of multiverse plus time travel. <laughs> because to me, more than anything, it, it, it makes me feel like now nothing has any consequences unless they decide to tell us that something has consequences because something is an absolute point, you know? Yeah. And that's when you just lose me entirely. Yeah, yeah it turns, it turns you know, uh, your storytelling into basically arbitrary plot points decided by writing an editorial and, and not by, you know, your characters and how they would authentically react to something. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, let's, we can ask, what if Marvel can somehow pull a cohesive story out of this mess? Hey, <laughs> I don't know hey, they we can, got there. We but got I want to do that. So, uh, <laughs> so, so having wrapped up that way uh, with a bad segue, let's make another one. What if someone wanted to hear more of the two of you talking about uh, books? Hey, um, yeah, well, we have this thing called a podcast that 
uh, I think people listening to this will know what podcasts are. And uh, it's called Hype is My Superpower. And Steve and I, it's basically me and Steve's uh, weekly check-in with each other because we live on opposite sides of the country. Uh, it also works as our book club where we talk about mm-hmm. uh, the comics that we've, the comics or novels that we read uh, the week before. Um, Steve currently is going in super deep into this book called Nomon that is wildly interesting and is unfolding in very weird ways. Uh, and I've had <laughs> a lot of fun getting it kind of reviewed by him chapter by chapter every week. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And I'm reading a lot of um, pretty much only Marvel 616. Um, and I only read trade paperbacks. And so that puts me about six months behind current. So I try to avoid uh, Marvel spo- Marvel comic spoilers as much as I can. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, I am well known for being a filthy casual. I'm not a big fan of comic books themselves. I love your podcast because you all, I think, do a great job of explaining enough that like I can follow the discussion even if I haven't read the thing myself which is something that I I think we strive to in this podcast and you guys really set the bar on that so definitely check that out you can search for hype is my superpower so I hope folks will check out your podcast and then I'm going to ask one other what if question what if you wanted to win an oculus quest 2 or nintendo switch because if you do here's a way you can do it In September, the Stranded Panda Podcast Network that this podcast and my other podcast, Star Wars Universe Podcast, are both a part of, we're holding a a review contest. We're basically asking folks to put in reviews, five-star reviews, about the podcasts that you listen to in the MCU and to maybe try listening to some new ones. Uh, I'm sorry, in the Stranded Panda Podcast Network to listen to some new ones, check them out, and write reviews. And if you love it, write a five-star review. Every five-star review you write will be entered as one entry into the contest. So it's getting like one more lottery ticket. Um, So if you write one just for this podcast, great. If you do this podcast and then Animation Deliberation and then the Book Club and then the MCU cast, you get four entries into the contest. It's going to run all all through September. Uh, And if you want more information, you can go to the Stranded Panda website, strandedpanda.com. There you'll find all the information about it. And it'll give you a good sense of, you know, give you a list of all different podcasts. All you have to do is subscribe. Write a five-star review, and you get entered, and you'll win either an Oculus 2 or a Nintendo Switch. Uh, as someone who's recently gotten into the game Fire Emblem Three Houses, mm. and so now me and my my partner are constantly fighting over who's going to have the Switch <laughs> because I'm so addicted to this game. Uh, yeah, our household winning a second one. I, I, I'm a pod, pod panda host, so I'm not going to be eligible. But, you know, <laughs> I understand why people would want one. Even if you have, if you have one, get a second one. It's a great opportunity. <laughs> And of course, you know, if you uh, don't want to win, but you still want to write a review, let us know. Five-star reviews are great, but any star review is great because it helps us know more about how to make these podcasts better for you, the listeners. That's the thing that's always should be about. So even if you don't feel called to write a five-star review, write, write a different one. You won't be entered into the contest, but it's still great to get that feedback from you. So uh, please do that. Uh, and of course, if you want to give us feedback directly about this episode or any other episode, you can find me at theethicalpanda.com. You can search for The Ethical Panda on Facebook or Twitter. And, of course, you can write to us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. So, uh, Steve and Will, thank you all so much for being a part of this. It was a great discussion. To all you listeners, thank you so much, and have a great day. Thanks so much for having us back. Thank you so much.